All right, so we're uh, middle of letter 15. And uh, letter 15 is really, a, it's a long letter and it's just really getting to the response based on everything that uh, Rav Hirsch had discussed in the previous letters. Uh, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of, you know, explaining how all his problems that he had with Yiddishkeit, all the struggles and all the difficulties, all fall away when you have a proper perspective and understanding of what the Yiddishkeit actually is. Um, I think we ended on page 199. I missed last week. I'm sorry. Um, if you didn't, let's just review that point because I think it, uh, it's a little bit in Yana Diyama. So he's talking about the idea of, he says, Kla Yisrael, he says, the Torah isolates us. Right? That was one of his tainas. Right? We're, we're all alone. We have to be different. We stand out. We can't join the rest of the world. Right? It's, uh, we have this, it's, it's isolating us. So he says, look, first of all, he says, yes, we have to stay different if we want to maintain our, uh, our, you know, our, our values, right? When we're living in a world that tolerates us, we're living in a world, you know, that's, that's the old adage that uh, if, if, the game, if the Greeks wanted us to actually become like them, then they should have just given us freedom. They didn't have to make laws to force us, right? When you force, right? The Matasio actually said that once, right? He's like, you know, you're talking about like you, everyone's busy with Shemir Salashin, right? He says if the U.S. Congress passed a law that says everyone must speak Lashon Har an hour a day, no Yid would ever speak a word of Lashon Har again, right? The serious nefesh, right? We have to, right? That's the idea, is that when, when things go good for us, it's, uh, we end up getting absorbed with the outside world. We learn from their values, we're friends with them, and we try to be like them. And so, yes, there's a certain amount of isolation which is necessary in order to be able to maintain our values. But he says... Ultimately, the goal of Klai Yisrael is universalism. The goal of Klai Yisrael is that the entire world should come to recognize Hashem, and our role as a nation is to, to, to bring the world to that, uh, to that fruition. So that our fakert, we're living, our purpose as a nation is for the rest of the world, as, as unselfish you know, as could possibly exist. Um, right? Um, and, uh, right? And if you look through Navi, right? Hirsch points this out many times, through Navi. There's a lot of Nevuahs, not just about Klai Yisrael. There's Nevuahs about other nations, about Mitzrayim, about Amalek, or Bilam. These are, uh, right? And he says like this, on page 199, The righteous among the nations who exemplified unselfish justice and genuine human dignity lived for this goal. Right? He's talking about the goal of, uh, of serving the Rebbe Yisrael. He says, there were always the Hasidei Umasam, right? The righteous amongst the nations. The enlightened among them labored for it when they lifted up their brethren by word and deed to the one alone, to respect for justice and to the elevation of man above the level of beasts. Right? A non-Jew that works towards that goal is the same thing. Right? He's a, we, we embrace him. We embrace him. And again, so this is an interesting point. And this is, uh, if you look at this footnote there, Hirsch says, is this haq about exactly, in other words, chasidi umasa'ilam, you know, you really, uh, you have to accept this. Get tzedek, there's different, you know, the halachic aspects of how these things works, you know, despite what Yad Vashem might, might think. Chasidi umasa'ilam, right? I don't know, saving Jews is, is a halach, right? Chasidi umasa'ilam, there's a tech, it's technical. It's when you makabal certain mitzvahs under a certain, pre- you know, pre- premise. But if Hirsch says if a person is a good person and he's working for the betterment of humanity, that's, the, that's what Klai Yisrael's purpose is, and we embrace them. Again, we still have to maintain our separations. You can't marry a guy, you know, right? But ultimately, right, there's the, whatever the halachas, benigaya, yid and goy have to be maintained, but uh, it's, it's, we don't look down at them. And again, this is a little bit of a shift, particularly, again, obviously you're writing in the, in the 1800s in Germany when you're seeing a lot of non-Jews who are actually, you know, tend to, you know, tend to be good people. They also, they're tolerant and they're, they're working for the betterment of humanity. Um, you know, whether that, uh, that facade has fallen with the Holocaust and whether, you know, you know but... You know, the, the problem is, like, we spoke about this in Mentera for Life, the of Aaron Rice, right, Mentera for Life, he's like, you know, when we sit there, we take a shortcut, right? He said that, he always says that his, he had a son, he was living in America, his son was still in Eretz Yisrael, 
and and he uh, and he was telling his son how the English teachers, right, were non-Jews, right. This is a standard thing in, in high schools, and uh, you know, even in elementary schools where I grew up, they had non-Jews. So his kid tells him they don't beat up the kids, right? Because like you know, the goyim beat up the kids, right? The the mamish, you know. And like, you know, it's a shortcut that we take that all Goyim are, are, you know, Ivan the Kazakh. They're all, you know, the Paris who wants to throw you in jail. And the problem is that when a guy gets older and he goes out into the workforce and he, and he meets some very nice and good people, it becomes a problem, right? So you have to be very nuanced about it. And yes, our values are different. And just, you know, what's the reason why they're being good? Is it, you know, what are they motivated by? You know, not, that's, you know, but the idea, the basic idea of having a perspective that when someone is, is working towards the good of people, working towards making the world a better place, right? That's something that we embrace. Towards the overall goal of humanity, the art of the Greeks, to the extent that it was morally clean, had a refining effect on the mind, and their thought to the extent that it embodied truth enlightened the spirit. Right? Now this is, you know, Hanukkah's coming up, and we talk about, you know, Yavan and Yephes. So it's interesting, you know, you know, we didn't really get, you know, Greek philosophy has anything to do with Hanukkah is a relatively later innovation, right? Your Shainim don't really deal so much with, with that aspect. Yavan was Avodah Zara, Be'etzim, right? They had Avodah Zara, but it was different, right? We know Aristotle led this Kufa, this was, uh, you know, Alexander the Great, this is, you know, was a disciple of Aristotle, and Greeks ultimately represented Chacham. Rav Hirsch says, the very first Nevuah ever uttered, right, for the world was Nayach. After he comes out of the Mabal, after he comes out of the Teva, he says, Yafta likim liyafes, v'yishkan ba'ahalei shame, right? What does that mean? Yafta, Yafes, Greeks, right? Yafes. What's, what's Yafta? Yafta is lashon of, 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 of Peter, of opening up a person's mind, right? Of opening up. Yafes will open the minds of the world. The world was living in depravity. The world were pagans who believed that human beings were damned and cursed and had no hope, right? And it was, you know, really steeped in darkness. Yafes came along and presented people that the human being is an amazing thing. Right? Science, philosophy, enlightenment, art. This opens people's minds that human beings aren't just animals. We're not just beasts who are serving the whims of the God, who are slaves to the God, serving death and, and darkness, right? Greeks open up the world. But ultimately, the Yishkan Ba'ahalei Shem, right? That the, the Hashem ultimately will, will, will dwell in the tents of shame, in the houses of Klaiso. Science is just a way to bring people to the truth, right? And it, it leads people on that path. But Yefes is not ultimately where Hashem is going to rest. Right, so so you know, but 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 as much as there's value in their art, and as much as there's value in their philosophy and their way of thinking, that's wonderful, right? We make a bracha, baruch shenasan chachamase lebas avedam, right? We we and 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 it, and it brings people to a better thing, right? When when the world is, uh, and we'll talk more about art in the Jewish world in a, you know in a, in a minute, but uh, you know, and as much as there's value, again, we we it's. It's, it's very easy to just knock everything away as garbage and maybe their motivations, we can look at, right, we spoke about the Gemara last, you know, two times ago, Masech Shabbos, Reb Shimon says, yeah, they're doing it all for their own benefit. Okay, right, but recognizing that there's value and human beings coming to, you know, I, I think I said this a few weeks ago, right, is that like, you know, this uh, Me Too movement, right, uh, you know, liberal uh, cancel culture, I mean, yes, maybe they take it too far, but it was also actually, right, that's, that's not wrong, right, the idea that men and women in the workplace and that these things have to be maintained, like, that's a positive, right, there's a positive value there, is that people are recognizing that the, you know, you know, okay. Um, the same thing towards us and Rome, Romans sword united the nations, and in a more peaceful way, the trade of the Europeans laid the basis for a brotherly community of nations. Rome, you know, it united the world. Yeah, they conquered the world, but then they united it under an empire, right? And that brings the world together. Trade, Europeans, right? We have now, we have trade between the different nations. That brings the world closer together. We can learn from each other. We can grow from each other. We can help each other. That's not a bad thing. Yisrael, too, has contributed to this end in its own way. Kai Yisrael's place in the world, obviously, was what? We're, we're, we, we have the most important job of all. 
But the idea that we're isolated, that we should look down on the other nations, right? He says that's not true. That's not what genuine Yiddishkeit actually teaches. Yiddishkeit looks at anything which has, which is good for the world as a good, as a positive. Nations, you know, have positive virtues. People have positive virtues. And uh, and and uh, yes, we have to stay separate. That doesn't mean that we kind of look down and we're arrogant that we think we're better than everyone, right? We're different than everyone. We have a higher responsibility. Maybe that makes us better, you know, sort of in, in a way. But in terms of us being like the snobs of the world, he says that's not true. And again, this is uh, this is Rav Hirsch. This is very much, you know, where Rav Hirsch believed. This is the Tyrim Derecheret's approach. You know, it's something which I, for your, for, for most people, sounds a little bit like, you know, Goyim or Tuma or Treif and, uh, and then the sources for such things. But ultimately, okay. As for the spirit of the Jew, you wrote that it is crushed by the submissiveness which the Torah demands of it. Right? In other words, we just have to follow those. We're a bunch of robots, right? It makes us very, very submissive. Okay, whatever God says, we got to do. You have no, you know, innovation. You have no strength. You're just a submissive sheep, right? It says, whom do you consider on a higher level? Who is truly stronger? The oppressed Jew pushed into the dust who still has the strength of character to feel pity for his opponent, to accept his sneers as a child sent to him by God, and as his share of the fate for his people. Right? Look at the Yid, who despite thousands of years of, 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 of suffering, he still says, strong, trust in Hashem, he feels bad for you, right? I'd rather be, you know... Uh, or the Ruffin, who wantonly abuses the weakness of his fellow men, who practically considers it his mission to revile the weak, and who finds glory in such behavior. Who's, who, who's, who, who's, who's better? Who's a better person? Well, we're submissive, yeah, we're, we're victims, yeah, but uh, you know what I mean? Look at you. You'd rather be the victim or the person who's, uh, who's actually just sitting there and abusing people and uh, abusing their power and, uh, and just a murderous, disgusting person. Okay, what about the Torah? Again, he's going through all the arguments. Surely you do not mean that the Torah, with its teachings about God, the world, and humanity, inhibits science and artistic creativity. That was one of his titles, right? The Torah, you know, science, no art, right? Because it has all these, uh, you know what I mean? You're busy, with the, you're busy sitting there and kvetching in a sugi over there. That ruins your mind. He says, that, that can't be, right? He says, Fakir, Torah is all about, Torah is intellectual. Torah teaches a person how to think. The cliche about Jewish lawyers, about Jewish scientists, right? The idea that the Torah somehow doesn't allow you to think is, is a farce, right? And that's a general, by the very common uh, refrain you hear today amongst people, right? Is that like, you know, uh, religion is anti-science, right? right? All the original big scientists were religious, right? Fakert, it was, it was religion that actually inspired the scientific revolutions, um, right? So again, this idea is not ridiculous, right? That, that you, if you're religious and you can't, be, you know, can't actually do science well or art well, that's not true. The one tiny that he says is, hey, what about sculpture, right? What about sculpture, right? Art, well, sculptures, right? it's usher, it's usher to make uh, images, right? Well, yeah, well, it's usher to make images. He's talking about images, right? Um, if, you, if you read the history, uh, Lazi Prisco was just really talking about this, you know, the, the, in like the Roman era, the Greek era, like the, the, what caused most of these civil wars was like images. Like the Romans would come, put an image, the civil war, right? Greeks... The, the, the idea of you know the goyim the images was like a big thing by them right yeah. representations of God and if you put that in the base hamikdash they wanted oh, to put yeah. right all those things this the, the, the tzelem and all these things that was like the big thing back then right nowadays okay you know we have them I guess and you know I just speaking to of irony you know he was talking about his how he was in the Lincoln Memorial and there's this larger than life you know um, thing of, of Lincoln sitting there and just how he was like nishtaimim from you know just like cap you know there's a certain artistic ability to capture a person through through engravings through art. He says, it's true, ever since people forgot about the one above and deified the creatures that serve him, as well as their own animal instincts, whose powers they sense, worshipping them in symbols of whom stone, so that by now these statues are sorry mementos to the duration of mankind. He says, look, what happened was, 
you know, people ruined it, you know. Images on their own technically maybe not be a problem, but people began to serve them as gods. Since then, Judaism has forbidden the making or possessions of such forms of art, for Judaism rates truth higher than artistic creation, right? And people started taking these images and using art as a means of serving not God, and not bringing a person and elevating a person, but of bringing a person down, right? And, and again, this is, this, is, this is something which is like so true. What is art? Art, like we just said about the Greeks, what is art? Art is, it's the aesthetic. Art is something which is beautiful and it stirs something inside of you, right? And it makes you kind of realize that you're more than just an animal. Animals don't, don't look at art and get moved by it. The fact that you can get moved by art and you see something, it's beauty, that's, it's, it's, it's inspiring. Beauty also shows harmony. Right? What's harmony? And, and, and you learn to look for and, 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 and try to seek out harmony in your own life. And most art is kind of multiple things coming together, right? Multiple pictures, multiple forms coming together to create something beautiful, right? And that, that shows that there is harmony is what ultimately is, is, is what makes a person happy, right? And a human being is torn all over the place. And finding a way to harmonize your own life, right? That's what the Torah is. Right? It's Tamimic encompasses all of life it tells you how to deal with all the different forces within your life and that's what makes ultimate happiness right that's something that art can, can bring you look at art you're like wow that's beautiful now find that beauty in your own life that's what Rav Hirsch says in the mission of it says if a person's walking down the street he's learning he's placing around he says he stops learning and he says look how beautiful that tree is why? he says because you're in the middle of learning and you're saying that oh that's beautiful that's where harmony is but in Torah there will be no harmony no yeah, you should look at trees and beautiful. That's an important thing. But, but stopping to learn and looking at it and always saying, hey, that's where beauty lies. But in the beauty of, of living a life according to the Torah, there's no beauty. That's Meschai ben Asher. So like that's it. Like he's, uh, he's, he missed the whole point. Right? So, but, but when it becomes, when art becomes a means to degradation, when art becomes prust, when art becomes disgusting and the messages of art are garbage, then what are you doing? You're inspiring a person to, to, to the fact that he's an animal. Right? You know, like the, the idea of Aaron says, you have a box and it's uh, full of a sealed box, and you kick the box, right? And you hear some noise. So what's in the box? Well, you don't know. It's just a bunch of garbage, right? But unless you kick the box, and all of a sudden you hear like a musical note. You hear a ping, right? A little, a little sound. You're like, wow, there's, there's an instrument in here, right? There's some sort of an instrument, right? Art is, right? Art is this kind of kick on a person that all of a sudden there's a neshama, right? You're a human being. You walk down the street. You look at things that rile you up. You look at, you know, uh, you know uh, women, you look at different taivas and it makes you crave them, it, makes you, it gives you urges for them. What does that tell you? You're an animal, right? There's an animal in here, there's a beast that's trying to get out. But when you see something beautiful and, you're, and you kind of get uplifted, in one second, I'm not just an animal, there's, there's something in here that's, that's, uh, that's able to sense beauty, that's able to detect something that's spiritual, something higher than physical, right? And, and the problem now is, then what's art? Art is, is fakir. Art is here celebrating the animal. It's celebrating the press, celebrating the things that actually bring a person down, the exact opposite of what art is. Right? And you then take art to use it in the, right? Art was always something beautiful. So again, when images became things that people served, that brought down art, goodbye. Also, no artist imbued with the spirit of Judaism would lift a chisel, brush, or stylus in order to make an artistic representation of some outgrowth of impure fantasies. Right? You're making art some disgusting picture or to cater to the animalistic qualities of man. Right? That is not art. Right? Would you suggest that morality and human purity should merely be empty phrases that should not really guide all our actions? Right? Of course. And so yeah, art, you're right. There are limits to what a Jew is allowed to do in art. And unfortunately, that's the price we have to pay for the fact that people have abused, you know, abused art. Right? You, you have this week's parasha, right? The, the others all brought matzevas. Right? They brought matzevas, right? They brought karbanas on matzevas. Once you have it, right, after the Avas, the Gemara says it was Ahav to the Avas, it was the hated to us, right? You're not allowed to have matzevas, to build them as Beach. 
Mizbeach is multiple bricks, a matzeva is a single brick. Right, it first explains, right? Matzeva is serving God in nature. That's what the Abbas did, right? They take a rock, take something out of nature. A, matz- a mizbeach is building. It's not just nature, it's your human activity, human creation. That's what you're, that's what you're dedicating to Hashem. Things changed. So in other words, yeah, matze- you know, let's be saying art became bad because of the way it was corrupted. Okay, we'll do, we'll do one, more, uh, one more piece. Um, you speak of dogmas, dogmas of faith, right? He's like, oh, Judaism says you must believe the following things. Now, again, this is a little bit tricky because, you know, we have the famous Rambam in the beginning of Parachelik and Mishnayis where he talks about the, the 13 beliefs that uh, the Torah demands of us, right? They've been uh, animamims, they've been, uh, you know, shortened into the animamims. Um, the Rambam didn't write animamims. He wrote, uh, he has long pieces in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Mishnah. But, uh, you know, seems to be that here our beliefs, many Rishayim argued on the Rambam, right? You had the famous uh, Sefer Ikrim, which says there's only three Ikrim. You know, Rav Hirsch seems to understand, and, and you know, there are other people that hold like this, is that th- there's no animam, 13 animams. Judaism knows 613 duties, but no commandment of faith. Everything in the Torah is from Hashem, and everything. You can't deny one word of the Torah. Tyra, but Tyra is ultimately also not, it's not dogmas. It's not dogma means a belief that you have to believe. You must believe A. You must believe B. But Judaism demands that you believe it. That's not what Yiddishkeit is. Yiddishkeit are commandments of commandments. Yiddishkeit tells you what you must do. Right? Those truths that form the base of Judaism, it reveals as facts. It's not saying you must believe that God took you out of Mitzrayim. It says, God took you out of Mitzrayim. That is the fact, right? And it proclaims for them, for all able to perceive the truth. That's what the Torah tells us the reality and says, okay, this is the truth. It's not a dogma, right? It thereby opens a broad field for thorough investigations so that we may acquire a more profound understanding of the essence and interrelationships of creatures, the world, man, and humanity, and the evolution of history and the divine plan regarding it. In other words, following the Torah, following the Torah, the Torah is laying down the facts. This is what happened. This is the reality. This is what Hashem did. Now, Understanding that, wow, that's amazing how deep you can go. Right? Dogma is usually, you know, if I believe a dogma, the world, some religion, you must believe that the world is flat. All right, whatever, right? Now, this stifles you, right? There's no creativity now because you're stuck by some theory, which is, is that, right? But the Torah is not, the Torah is telling you who created the world, right? telling you about history, telling you your history. And now, now it gives you a, a, a premise in which you can now begin to start examining the world. It gives you, right, a perspective. Right? When you're a scientist and you believe in nothing, so you just, you have no sense of, of grounding and anything could be, and like, you know, anything could be anything. You know, like, I'm just, like, like, I'm just thinking, you know, I was very busy with racism, right? And blacks, and, and they're not, it used to be people thought blacks were, were inferior human beings. They're less intelligent. Oh, now that's racist. Why is it racist? If you believe that we all evolved, then is it possible that some people evolved less? I mean, that might be possible, right? In other words, you know, but, but a Torah tells you that Hashem Kerem and Salam Kim, that gives you a foundation which now you can begin to, to explore, right? The Torah is telling you history. We have no sense of history. We look at the world, it's billions of years old. There are trillions of events that could have happened. Yeah, if we find some archaeological artifact, we built a, we built a, you know, a whole history based on it. But it's a whole, it's a middle parechus ba'avir. The whole thing is a fantasy, right? We're one discovery away from completely changing our perspective, right? That was like in Israel, right? They used to, they, they didn't, they, they have no proof that David HaMelech existed. Eh, the whole thing never happened. They found one little piece of paper, all of a sudden they have to revise their whole understanding, right? Torah presents the truth as is, as the Torah does it. And now based on that, go ahead. Right? Study, study the philosophy, study history, right? Just the opposite. Our conclusion about the nature of all things must be derived from observation, from experience, and from the Torah. Right? Of course, observation, you have to do research and science, and you have to look at the evidence, but the Torah is saying, oh, by the way, the Torah, this is true. And so now add that into your equation. Right? For surely, 
true speculation does not mean to construe worlds out of some inner notions while keeping eyes and ears close to the real world. Right? You have to look at reality. True speculation takes nature, man, and history as facts, investigating them in order to arrive at knowledge. To these Judaism as the Torah for is equally fact, just like heaven and earth. Right? Again, there's the basic idea, right? Is that, you know, the idea that the first says that this is what Hashem told Adam. Right? He says, you know, he brought him all the animals. Everything that Adam, the name, what does that mean that he named the animals? Hashem gave him the ability to, to start to, to do science, to start looking at animals, looking at their character, right? giving them names, meaning giving them designations. If you don't believe in God, ultimately reality is so tenuous, right? It's like, you know, I want like quantum physics now. It's like, you don't even know this whole thing could just be a dream. The whole idea, the whole, your whole science is just a, a one big thing piled up on a theories based on theories based on things. And it's doing some good work, you're doing some powerful things with it, right? There's some credence here, but the whole thing is, is, is who knows, right? God gives you the ability to pursue science, to look at reality, and God's saying, I created the world, and I want you human beings to use the world, to study the world. Hashem gave you a mind to be able to understand the world. And also, by the way, just like you look at a telescope and you see an objective reality, the Torah is the same objective reality. The Torah is a fact. Now, in your life, take the Torah into consideration. Looking at history, there's also this in that this is what happened at this particular date in this particular place. Now, when you do your observations, understand that. And now, base your science based on that. Right? But the Torah is a starting point. Now, the, the, what gets tricky is that the Torah, you know... Don't you have to believe all this? It's, it's the Torah is not giving you a demand you must believe it. The Torah is saying, this is it. This is what happened. Now, you, now you, you're a Yid who has that Messiah. Now, that's it. Move on. It's not, in other words, what he's saying is, it's not dogma is when you want to, when you get you know, incorporated into a religion, you must believe the following things. The Torah is not telling you what you must believe. The Torah is saying, these are the facts. Right? This is the facts. Now, I'm telling you what to do. Right? When you have a job, right? you, you get a job in a, in a nursing home. You don't have to come in and say, I believe that nursing homes, you know, that this building was built in 1986 and that the owner of the company is you know, Yanko Shmel. Right? There's, no, there's no dogma there. Right? You know, no chiv no to believe it. Right? It's telling you, this was built then, so therefore it has these laws and this is what you have to do. That's what Torah is. Torah is telling you what you have to do. The belief is not what's... Of course, if you don't believe, and you, yeah, then, you, then you're not gonna, the whole Torah is not going to start for you. But that's not what the Torah is doing. The Torah is starting from the next step. The Torah is taking for granted the following truths. Right? So first of all, that's the idea. There's no mitzvah to believe anything. Right? The Torah is telling you historical facts and you need to live your life based on those facts. Right? That's what the Torah is. Never, right? And Muna reverse is not to believe. Right? It's to trust. It's to take Hashem, who exists, and make Him your God. Right? So in other words, the, 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 so that's the first step. It's not dogma. Yiddishkeit starts at the next level. Again, many Rishayim say this, right? The myth is not to believe. It's, it's God exists. This is what happened. This is the history. Now this is what I want you to do. Right? So first of all, it's not dogma. Second of all, right? Second of all, it doesn't sti- right? Dogma usually says, you know, it stifles your, your creativity. And it says, no, I can't. It gives the foundation upon which you can now start to pursue life, right? You can now start doing your science, right? It cuts a lot of problems for us, right? We know the world is not 8 billion years old, and so it saves us a lot of time, right? We're going to skip all the nonsense that eventually everyone's going to realize, right? It's gonna, there's going to come a time that everyone's going to, right? You know, the, the, I'll give you an example. You know, I think I mentioned this earlier once also. You know, the world, everyone always believed the world always existed, right? This is the Greek philosophers believe this. What? Dogma, the principle I never was a dogma. The principle or set of principles laid down by an authority is incontrovertibly true. True, right? You must, this is it. This is true. You must believe it and finish. That's a dogma. It's not that you should. You must accept this as fact based on what I said. That's it. It's d
right? That's the idea. You know, the, 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 everyone always believed, from, from the Greek philosophers to Newton, even to up to Einstein, they believed the world always existed, right? Why the world always existed? Because it's constant. The world is staying the same, and therefore it always existed, right? If it had a beginning, then the world would be expanding. The world, would, you would see, right? If somebody had a start, then it means it's going to... This is what I believe for thousands of years. And, and the Rambam or the Vuchim, they're busy with this. And this is the challenge that the Jews believe that the world had a beginning. Barashas Barley Kim. The world always existed, right? For thousands of years, the Jews were the, were the butt of the, of the, of the, of the ridicule of, of, uh, of scientists. Until in, the, in the, the 20th century, and they discover the red line, they discover that the world is actually expanding, the universe is actually curving. Oh my gosh, there was a beginning. Big Bang. Barashas Barley Kim. After 2,000 years, the Barashas Barley Kim was vindicated 100% by every single scientist. Okay, they say it happened a few billion years ago. We'll give them time to catch up. We're, we're in no rush for them to, to get on board. Like I said, the problem is, is that is that, you know, it's easier to kind of to interpret the right? Like, for example, the Torah says that the sun rises and the sun sets. Mizrach Shemesh and right? Va Shemesh. Does that mean, uh, that, mean that there's a dogma in the Torah that the, that the world, that the sun rises as opposed to the earth turning? Well, no, because, you know, it's very easy to understand that when the Torah says the sun rises, we say the sun rises, that's what we say in English, even though the sun doesn't rise, right? It's the earth that turns. But you say the sun rises, so you can interpret the Torah to mean that, right? So, since the how, Tyra, how, how do we know that? Just because scientists see it a certain way doesn't mean it's actually that way. It could, okay. be, it could be the sun actually is rising. Yeah. Hashem makes it that we see it differently. So okay, that's so that's important. possible that, you know, in some quantum level, and yeah, we've gone up to outer space and we can kind of see things now. Yes, it could be on some, on some yeah, and it could be in a thousand years. But like, there's nothing clearer about saying that the Torah doesn't actually mean that, right? There's nothing clearer about that because it's consistent. The Torah is speaking Galatia Mayadam. Right, so that's why it's a little bit tricky, right? When you take, uh, you know, when, when they first came out with the Copernican theory and all that stuff, not everyone was on board, right? right it's not so much. In other we're not going to just buy your scientific theories overnight. We're much more conservative. We, let's prove it. But something like the Earth, you know, uh, going around the sun has been pretty widely accepted, you know, and uh, I don't think any Jewish person, if in a thousand years some new theory, you know, there's a new way of looking at the world, yeah, right? we wouldn't be surprised, right? So the idea that the Torah, the idea that the Torah stifles scientific endeavor that's, that's, simply, that's, not, that's simply not true the Torah tells you the Torah says this is what you need to do the Torah is a book of commandments this is what you must do based on the information that I'm presenting you right and that's it and therefore Fakir, right? Jews have never had a problem with science Jews are very right and uh, okay we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue next week beautiful beautiful hello you know it says that the world was created